you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 297th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from the past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is the Patriots now being on an absolute roll with yesterday's win over the Oakland Raiders in Mexico City. Hard to believe sitting here today, but before uh, the season, when the schedule came out, fans up in New England were actually worried about these uh, two-game high-altitude stretch where they faced the Broncos last week, and of course the Raiders yesterday. And uh, I'd have to say they passed with flying colors. Uh, I've been watching this team up close and personal as a season ticket holder for 18 years, and it's just amazing to see what they're doing now with Tom Brady at age 40. Uh, They have, in fact, are playing right now their best football of the season, seven in a row, and if maybe their best football in many seasons, and that includes... uh, a couple of Super Bowl victories in the last few seasons. So they're just on what I believe to be an epic roll. Uh, started last week. Started a while back, but it really it kicked into high gear with them going into Denver, their traditional house of horrors for the team and Brady in particular, and just absolutely administered a beatdown. And then yesterday in Mexico City, uh, uh, where the Raiders were theoretically had home field advantage. Tons of Raiders fans. They've played there two years in a row now in Mexico City. Uh, but the Patriots did it again. And they're just, uh, they're just playing at, at a level the last couple of weeks that uh, is just incredible. And most importantly, no one really expected that. Not these kind of victories, even though there was talk. You may remember long ago, before the season started, about 19-0 and and things like that. That went by the boards on opening night against Kansas City. But here they are now, just uh, rolling right along. And what can you say about Tom Brady? We are witnessing sports history uh, on a weekly basis with him. Not to mention Bill Belichick. Not to mention... Stephen Goskowski uh, kicking a 62-yard franchise record field goal yesterday in altitude at Mexico City, 7,200 feet. And it looked like that kick went about just that far, too. Uh, 
And uh, so it is just really fun to watch. Back home this week coming up against the Dolphins. And uh, it's really setting up beautifully for the Patriots. But we're now with the Chiefs loss. Shocking loss, I might add, to the New York football giants yesterday in the in uh, MetLife. Uh, with the Chiefs losing and fading badly, the game of the year is now December 17th. Patriots-Steelers in Pittsburgh. And, to the, and the Steelers themselves, fresh off their beatdown of the Titans on Thursday Night Football, where... It looked like that offense, and defense for that matter, finally is putting it all together. So if both teams continue playing like they have recently, uh, we could be talking about uh, home field advantage for the AFC Championship game. It's just that simple. So uh, December 17th, uh, you heard it here first, circled on the calendar. It could be the game of the year. Another great weekend of NFL watching, uh, and yesterday was fun for me because I watched as a season ticket member, uh, Red Zone all day at a Patriots Mexican Fiesta in Foxborough at Patriot Place, Toby Keith's to be exact. Uh, it was a great perk with, uh, all kinds of activities and uh, Mexican bands and former players like Tim Fox and Steve Nelson taking photos, signing autographed pictures, and just really uh, hundreds of people there for what was an all-day, all-evening party. And it was really a lot of fun. Best of all, I had a Red Zone TV right in front of me. So I was able to watch uh, yesterday's great action, including the Saints' late comeback to beat the Redskins. And the Saints are looking uh, just incredible, like the team we remember winning the Super Bowl not all that long ago. Uh, they have a defense. They have a running game to go along with uh, Drew Brees in that passing game, which uh, rose up when it needed to late in the game to pull out that victory. The Broncos lost to the Bengals, uh, and they are literally, the Broncos, falling apart before our very eyes. It was their sixth straight loss. They fired offensive coordinator Mike McCoy and uh, last evening, and boy, how the mighty have fallen. And on that theme, the Cowboys, they're fading fast without Zeke, and got beat by the Eagles last night in Dallas and it's fun to watch these Eagles and Carson Wentz, Wentzylvania uh, they really look for real they now stand alone with still the best record in the NFL and uh, they are just looking incredible so uh, who knows maybe it'll be an all Pennsylvania Super Bowl stranger things have happened but the Minnesota Vikings might have something to say about that because they are looking good as well as they took care of the Rams up in Minnesota at their new stadium uh, in a battle of NFL, NFC Titans. Well, my low light of the week of the Packers uh, getting shut out in Lambeau for the first time in forever. And what 
was shocking to me about that was it was just days after hearing that Aaron Rodgers, shockingly, might indeed be back, be able to come back and play mid-December. Of course, that would be predicated, I would think, upon the Packers still being in the playoff hunt. So it's a situation where they just kind of have to hang in there. So I thought they would like uh, be propelled by that news to have a good performance in Lambeau. Couldn't have been more wrong. The Ravens manhandled them, shut them out. And, uh, you know, all fans of football, I think, want to see Aaron Rodgers. And it would be even more fascinating to see him. If the Packers could somehow hang in there, squeak, squeak into the playoffs and have a, a, a fresh Aaron Rodgers who hadn't played in a month or two, uh, you know, going into the playoffs. Uh, despite the fact he would be coming in off an injury, he's still Aaron Rodgers. So if anybody could uh, do some special things, it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but the Packers without Aaron Rodgers need to do their part to make that happen. Finally, my bizarre story of the week is the Buffalo Bills benching of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, it was bizarre enough when it was announced. Let's not forget a couple weeks ago, the the Bills looked firmly entrenched as a potential playoff team. And in, less, in, in a mere two weeks, their season has seemingly fallen apart. Saints beat them down last week up in Buffalo. And then uh, new low yesterday where Nathan Peterman, who was uh, put in for Tyrod Taylor, threw five, repeat, Five interceptions in the first half yesterday. Uh, just hard to believe. Uh, that's something we have rarely, rarely seen. So now the Bills are faced with that age-old question, what do we do now? Tyrod Taylor did come into the game yesterday. It didn't matter. They, it was so far out of hand with the Chargers just trouncing them that it just didn't matter at that point. But... It almost seems like the Bills have self-destructed uh, in a matter of two weeks or less. So, uh, before I end this first segment, I have to uh, give kudos to the Celtics here in Boston. They've now won 15 straight after losing the first two. Uh, and, and, and Gordon Hayward uh, to boot in the first game. And, of course, they beat the Warriors in a terrific game this week uh, in Boston. So uh, the Seas are doing some pretty impressive things, to put it mildly, all coming on the heels of, again, the devastating Gordon Hayward injury. And lastly, sad news from the NFL today. Terry Glenn, former receiver, died last night in a car crash near Dallas and... He lived, when he played for the Patriots back in the late 90s, literally right down the street from where I'm standing at this very moment in suburban Boston. Uh, he was an all-time comet uh, whistling through the sky because he, he did some amazing things on the football field in his early years. He had his controversial moments you know, with Bill Parcells and whatnot, played for a couple other teams, but... Uh, Sad, sad news to hear of the passing of Terry Glenn. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. 
So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, doing great, John. It's a beautiful day here in Alabama and ready for the Iron Bowl week. But uh, we had some things to finish on Saturday. Terrific, terrific. Yeah, the, so you were at the Mercer-Alabama game, and, uh, you know, Alabama took control early, to put it mildly. I think they started, uh, they scored early and often. Uh, so how was it on Saturday? Yeah, it was senior day, John, and uh, Nick Saban, he, I mean, he enjoys that day where he gets to see the families on the field before the game and say hello to them and take a picture. And it was a beautiful day, 11 o'clock start, which was good for everyone. They wanted to win this ball game and take control early. As you said, I think it was 35 to zip at halftime and right. up 56 to nothing. They Two teams had played in 1939 and 1940, believe it or not. And then Mercer gave up football in 41 and came back to the game about five, six years ago. So Alabama was playing Mercer, a team that had given Auburn trouble earlier in the season, believe it or not. 
but uh, they took care of business. And, uh, you know, Alabama was trying to really look at those linebackers, John, to see who would be able to start this week against Auburn. They're trying to get some experience with some younger players to get them more repetition. And one player that stood out above all was Dylan Moses. He led the team in tackles with 11. Uh, five-star freshman, true freshman from Louisiana via IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. And sure. he had four tackles for a loss and, ha- and even had an interception. Wow. So another weapon emerges. It's uh, funny how that happens with the elite teams, isn't it? Uh, Alabama at the head of the pack. Yes, John. You know, I think people, they get so concerned about when somebody goes down in the Alabama program, which I understand. So let's take, for example, they had a guard that needed to be replaced for the second week in a row. Well, J.C. Hassenauer from Minnesota, of all places, he was the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week for Alabama. Wow. That's impressive. That really is. But, you know, that's what the go. Uh, that's how it goes when you're at the top of the heap with Alabama. And, you know, again, they just have five stars sitting around down there, it seems. So it's, uh, it's an amazing run that they're on. And here they are again, number one in the country, obviously. And you mentioned Auburn. So I have to ask you, AP, you've been around for a lot of Alabama-Auburn games and Alabama-Auburn weeks. How does this compare with the, uh, you know, per the excitement level with that game this Saturday at 3.30? Uh, is it, you know, we've seen some great ones recently. We've seen, you know, the, with, with the Cam Newton year with Alabama-Auburn. Correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like the third or fourth time in the last six, seven years where you know, potential number one is on the line. Yeah, yeah, John. I mean, Alabama and Auburn, people in this state, they wait for this game, number one, because they're so excited to play their, their biggest rival. And number two, there's so much on, on the line. The implications are far-reaching. They're trying to get to the SEC championship game as the SEC Western Division uh, title holder. They're trying to beat Georgia in that game to get to the college football playoff to be one of the four teams that has a chance for the national championship. So this game is uh, super important. Well, it really is. It feels like a winner-take-all game and that the loser, especially if that loser is Auburn, uh, you know, they're done as far as college football playoff possibility. That would be their third loss, so that's that. But if they win, uh, given their win over number one Georgia last week, their beatdown of Georgia, and the fact that they would be SEC champions, having beaten basically the two best teams in the country in Alabama and perhaps Georgia, you know, suddenly they would be in line as the first ever two-loss college football playoff team so yeah you just said it perfectly it's like everything's on the line for this game uh i guess the big question is if alabama loses would they still be in line for a final four berth uh it would seem quite possible i don't know what do you think about that yeah john this is a very interesting question i'm glad you posed it to me today because the committee is entrusted with selecting the four best teams that is the mission, the stated goal. So if you look at Alabama, if they have a close loss to Auburn on the road, who's 
already number six in their eyes, would that qualify over a two-loss team, let's say, from the Big Ten to be in the, in the championship round of uh, four teams? I say that Alabama as a one-loss team is as good as anybody who has two losses because they, they pass the, the supreme eye test and you're playing a team like Auburn that's really hot, quarterbacks playing well defensively. They shut down a Georgia team that was number one. Uh, they have an All-American kicker, Daniel Carlson. So this is a question that a lot of people I've seen in social media and just some uh, media members around the country, they're saying you really can't set a, I've seen one particular one said you can't set a precedent by letting Alabama in the championship if they have the one loss because their resume does not warrant being one of the four teams. Well, let's look back at Florida State. They I mean, they were a top-level team when Alabama defeated them. Their quarterback was injured. Now, what happened after that is beyond Alabama's control. But they have a uh, less than stellar record. I mean, kind of, you know, I don't know what it is exactly, but it's about four wins or so. But Alabama definitely is one of the four best teams, even if they have a close loss to Auburn, I believe. But other te- other people will argue differently in that room, I'm sure. But it will be interesting if that scenario occurs and the committee will have to make that decision. Right. Well, you said the key word in my mind, close loss. Key phrase. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, absolutely. you know, if Alabama indeed loses in a close way, however that may turn out, a close loss, then that could make all the difference. Um, but if not, you know, then that, that would have an effect. If Alabama, you know, I can't imagine Auburn rolling over the tide, but, you know, if that happened, that would probably... Uh, eliminate Alabama's chances, but let's walk through who it would be if if they lost. I mean, you'd be looking at, you know, the winner of the Clemson-Miami game would be in, certainly. the They're already in the top four of those two. Then Oklahoma, assuming they went out, you'd have to give them uh, one spot. And then uh, potentially Auburn and Alabama. Is that how you see it, or am I missing somebody? Wisconsin yeah, no, would be in the mix if they were undefeated. Right, Wisconsin is in the mix, but they, I believe they're in a situation where they don't have the cachet of Alabama, so they would have to win that all the way through. Uh, this, I think they have one more game plus the uh, Big Ten Championship, which is held in Indianapolis, if I remember correctly. That's so, correct, absolutely. Uh, so I think that if Wisconsin wins out and... You have, let's say, Alabama and Auburn, one of, one of those teams for sure. Then you have Miami or Clemson, and then you have Oklahoma, and then you have an undefeated Wisconsin team. What happens with the one-loss teams? Uh, let's say Alabama has the close. And I mean, when I say close, John, if Alabama loses by 14, then it gets a little dicey. Oh, I agree. No, it has to be almost like a last-second yeah, victory for Auburn. Touchdown, three points, you know, four points, whatever, five, two, anywhere from, let's say, one to seven, let's say. one to Even maybe one to eight because that's a touchdown and a two-point conversion. If it's a two-score game, then that's a little bit different scenario. But oh, yeah. out of all yep. those, yeah, go ahead. No, you're right. It all depends on exactly how they lose, too. It's not, to me, so much the matter of points as exactly how 
the ending theoretically would unfold. Um, you know, as we know, anything can happen, especially in that game. Uh, so that, I think that would go a long way towards determining it. But at the end of the day, AP, if that ever happened and Alabama was chosen over an undefeated Wisconsin team, Alabama coming off a loss, of course, that would ignite what I think would be the biggest debate yet for the college football playoff. I think so, because you're coming from the Big Ten, although they didn't have to play some of the top teams, they would have beaten the other division uh, champion uh, to to reach that goal, which, I mean, and I think, John, people kind of dismiss being undefeated, but if you survive all those games and you're undefeated, then you end up playing the Ohio State or Penn State or the other team from that division and win on a neutral site, I think that's um, that's quite an accomplishment. I don't. I'm not dismissive of a team going undefeated. No, and Barry Alvarez was on College Game Day from Wisconsin on Saturday. They were there for the Wisconsin uh, Wisconsin Michigan game, and I mean, he just said it pretty much like you, very simply. He just said, you know, it's hard to go undefeated, and if you do that in the Big Ten, you should be in. Period. Very simple, simply stated powerfully stated and you know i think he's right <laughs> you know I, I tend to agree uh yeah. you know they're gonna have to beat ohio state more than likely but perhaps penn state to get there in, in indianapolis uh but you know uh this is a fascinating year you know i watched that miami game the miami virginia game and boy uh my estimation of miami rose even further you know beyond the beatdown of notre dame with I mean, Virginia took control of that game right out of the, right from the start, and then basically dominated pretty much, you know, into the third quarter. And then Miami just, you know, hung in there, got the lead, and then ran away with it from there. But very impressive performance by Miami. You know, I, I will say today they're better than I thought, even more so than I said after they beat down Notre Dame last weekend. John, what makes Miami interesting to me is a couple things. Number one, Mark Rich is Mark Rick is the coach, and then that's his alma mater at Miami. So he played in the SEC. I mean, coached in the SEC for I think it was 15 years. So he knows that competition in the Southeastern Conference if he has to face in Alabama and Auburn, or even his old team Georgia, even his old team Georgia. And yeah, very then the good other point. thing was. Other thing, John, that really uh, stuck with me through all these weeks. Miami, it knows how to win. Correct. They're winning football games, okay? You know, they fell behind. They they gave up some points. Fell behind, what, twice, John, right? Two times, as you said. And they still came back to win the game and put 44 on, on Virginia. Now, that's impressive to me in this day and age because y- your team has to be tested somewhere along the way to see if they're a championship caliber. And Miami, that's, I mean, I'm not saying Virginia is a fabulous club, but they had you down, and you lost your focus or whatever happened in that game. Uh, Virginia had a good game plan, went ahead twice by two touchdowns. So Mark Quick being a coach and Miami's ability to stay undefeated and survive a tough ball game, that impresses me. Very much so. Absolutely. Um, Virginia was just on a roll. They just, from the opening gun, just were took complete control of that game well into the second quarter. And, you know, Twice, two touchdown leads, but they, you know, 
Miami just really hung in there. They showed me a lot. Uh, well, hard to believe, AP, but we're at the end of our first segment already. There's still a ton more to talk about from Baker Mayfield behavior to Jim Mora being fired at UCLA and a whole lot in between. So why don't we take our break now and we'll get to those subjects on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're talking Western Ambush this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, taking a closer look at all the amazing big game hunting opportunities found in the Western states. Joining us is Jason Matzinger, host of Into High Country, Jill Gector from Cinch Jeans, Dean Capuano of Sawarski Optic Quest, and Freddie Hartice of Hollywood Hunter. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network wherever you go in addition to listening live you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts discover new talk show personalities add shows to your list of favorites and listen to all our show archives on demand all from your iphone blackberry or android download it from the apple app store blackberry app world or android market and get ready to tune in the voice america mobile app powered by aircast your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. You can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we talked Alabama-Auburn in the previous segment. Uh, a whole lot more going on in college football this past weekend. Uh, none more juicy than Baker Mayfield misbehaving uh, for and for not the first time uh, during the game with Kansas. Baker's taken a lot of heat, all well-deserved, but I also feel like, uh, you know, I'm not excusing it by any means, but I think the part of the Kansas players refusing to shake his hand, which he extended before the game, 
needs to be included in all reports on this story. I, I've been shocked how many times I've heard this story reported with no mention made of the fact that the Kansas players refused to shake his hand at the beginning of the game. Yeah, John, I think that's a very good point. Uh, you bring that fact up about the Kansas team. They were trying to show their bravado, saying they were right. not afraid of Oklahoma. Okay, I understand that. And But I, I guess my initial comments, I would say that I live by that code that Coach Bryant always set, and it's a high standard, and sometimes we fall short. Uh, he said, always show your class. So Correct. if you keep that in mind, all the time, no matter what the opponent might do or say, then you're going to be on safe ground and you're going to always stand above. And Baker Mayfield, I mean, he went into the Ohio State, planted that flag in the center field. I thought that did not display class. I thought Saturday he did not display class. I mean, he keeps apologizing. But what I would say, and people always mention, and he did as well, that how the emotions are part of the game. Well, Showing your class, that's part of the game as well. I mean, people do not ever say that in their, in their comments. They're always saying, well, I got I, uh, too emotional and I overreacted and that's trash talking is part of the game. Well, I, I want to hear somebody say once in a while that showing your class, that's part of the game as well. Well said, AP. And uh, coming right from the top with Coach Bryant. Uh, and by no means am I excusing Baker Mayfield's behavior, it was, uh, even for him, it was a a new low. My only point that I'm trying to make is, why did he do it? And I think the answer is clearly that he, they didn't shake his hand uh, at the beginning of the game, refused to shake his hand after he extended it. And that does not forgive anything that he did. Uh, There's other ways to do it, like go out and... Uh, play a great game, which he did. But, uh, you know, no, nobody's talking about that, nor should they be. This was really, this was nasty-looking stuff on TV, to put it mildly. Yeah, I mean, all those young kids are watching and parents are watching and yep. moms and dads and aunts and uncles and cousins and family friends and your hometown and your high school principal. And I just can't imagine... Just losing control. I mean, he went on for a while. It wasn't like just the one gesture. It was, it it was uh, continuous for a number Correct. of seconds number. or something. So, yeah. And and what Kansas did, uh, their coach, he I think he said he's going to talk to his team about their some of their manners pregame that they should shake the other player's hand. And like you said, there's other ways to tell Oklahoma you're not afraid of them, and that's by just dancing all over them in the end zone or something. You know, you know, scoring touchdowns and stopping them and kicking field goals and making tackles and catching passes. Uh, this idea that you're going to be a tough guy before the game starts, uh, I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. That, that to me, is just, had nothing to do with toughness. That's just right. immaturity and, and lack of sportsmanship, period. Um yeah, again, I can't stress enough that, you know, what Mayfield did was uh, just really, you know, in many ways unforgivable. I mean, it looks like he, you know, I think it's going to cost him some Heisman votes, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think he, he's broken from the pack. Uh, so, you know, he, he's still going to get it. But uh, I would think there are uh, certainly some Heisman voters who absolutely, after that display, 
it's a black and white issue and they will not vote for him because you know yeah. integrity is one of the Heisman qualities that are mentioned yeah absolutely John and I, I just I don't really understand I mean if you're the quarterback of the other team is this the first time you ever had somebody say something to you I mean he's a senior I think and You've been through high school, you've been at another university, you've been at Oklahoma, you had rivalry games, and so this idea that this particular incident incensed you so much that you just went out and acted a fool, I I just don't don't understand, because he's not the first one for that to happen to in a college football game or hear a taunting or be emotional. I just don't buy, I don't buy any excuses, I... I mean, the Kansas players, you know, that was their choice, a bad decision in my mind, as you said, but I, I don't buy either side. I don't buy Kansas, and I don't buy Oklahoma either with their, their excuses. I agree. A bad look for both teams, I think, would be the final analysis, especially bad look for Baker Mayfield, and a lot of it just has to do with his history. You know, yeah. whether it's Vontez perfect of the Bengals or... Baker Mayfield, uh, the resume really comes into play every time something happens, and it gets bigger each time. And, uh, you know, I remember the Maryland team did that at, against Penn State at Beaver Stadium a few years ago, refused to shake their hands. And that just ignited a firestorm and, in fact, a rivalry, especially after. You know, it was always a rivalry, but then right. Maryland joined the Big Ten, and there's some, you, you know, that has not been forgotten years later. Uh, it was only four or five years ago, but, you know, it, it'll never be forgotten. Uh, I, I, there's no other way to say it. People would still talk about it. I happened to be at the Penn State-Maryland game after that down at Raven Stadium a couple of years ago. And so that was still a hot topic a few years after the fact. So that, that stuff just doesn't go away. And let's face it, AP, you know, Kansas, you know, given their football history or whatever. And I know Baker Mayfield yeah. made some remark about whatever, they're a basketball score or something, which is obvious. Right. Uh, right. But I don't get it. In Maryland, let's just say Maryland is not Penn State, uh, you know, for football history and uh, or a lot of other teams. So it just came as a surprise. I, I don't get the correlation between, you know, the underdog choosing not to shake hands, displaying unsportsmanlike conduct against the favored team. I, 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 so I just don't get it. Um, no. I, I don't no, get the connection. Whoever, no, whoever concocted that plan uh, ought, ought to scrap it right away. And uh, like I said, the Kansas coach, he, I don't believe he was that happy. I didn't see the press conference. I just read the words on the, on the screen. But I think the biggest losers, you know, you know, Kansas, Oklahoma, and college football in general, when teams operate in that matter, and they be- show that type of behavior. Correct. Well, I agree. Um, you know, we had other interesting news over the weekend. Uh, you know, I watched that USC-UCLA game, one of many games I grew up on. I always loved it uh, as a kid, so I tuned in for a while, and... USC had that amazing punt return where uh, the guy acted like he was going to catch it. <laughs> yes. Basically drew the entire UCLA defense to <laughs> right to him. And then the ball, in fact, went to the other side of the field, and the guy just sprinted down the sidelines for USC touchdown. But 
Jim Mora, a name we all know well, uh, was fired. A little surprising, uh, you know, by UCLA. So here we go. I guess it's uh, now open season. Well, I shouldn't say that. Butch Jones was fired at Tennessee, which we haven't talked about, by the way, uh, a week ago. So we're at, it's that time at the end of the season in college football. The carousel is moving very fastly, John. Very, you know, very, very, very fast, very fast right now. And uh, Jim Moore, I guess that was to jump into the Chip Kelly sweepstakes. That was a preemptive move by UCLA and their athletic director, uh, Dan Guerrero. So I think they're in the hunt with Florida. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I didn't realize that. Like I didn't make that connection. Honestly, AP, I was surprised. You know, when he was fired, you know, he's, he's a big name. I just yeah. saw moments ago on the TV, they flashed his, you know, career record at UCLA to 46 and 30. Not bad, which just tells me, you know, none of that matters unless you're beating your crosstown rival, in this case, USC, period. Um, and but the Chip Kelly sweepstakes, I didn't realize that it turned into a sweepstakes yet, I guess. I've been hearing his name, but. It sounds like what you're saying is now it's full bore. Like everybody's convinced he's heading to somewhere, so they want to get in there and get in position. Yeah, I mean, what was the reason to fire him with one game remaining on the schedule? And all I can uh, deduct is that Florida was in New Hampshire this weekend, and then when word came out about Jim Moore, I think Chip Kelly said, well, let's hold on a minute. Let's see I can get out to the West Coast and see what they have to offer. And so maybe he'll be selecting between Florida and UCLA. Exactly. Well, uh, should be interesting. There, you know, Tennessee, I assume, is in that sweepstakes as well. One would think. Uh, that's a that's a possibility. I guess the name that they're zeroing in on for the last decade, I think, is John Gruden because he sure. married the Tennessee cheerleader. Right. Oh, okay. John, I didn't know exactly what his Tennessee connection was. I knew there was one, but that, that, that's a good one. I like it. Um, yeah, and but then I hear, you know, that maybe there was not all that, uh, you know, there was actually some questions on the Tennessee side for hiring John Gruden, which shocked me. I just thought, you know, it was one of those, if he says yes, they're taking him, end of story. Yeah, I guess they're, maybe they're concerned, and I'm not positive, but maybe they're concerned that he's one of these type of individuals. He can walk at any moment. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. You know, he might have that enthusiasm, okay, the first year, second, and then he starts, things aren't going as well. He's on that recruiting trail, and he has to be telling 17-year-olds how, how they're great and they're the best things in sliced bread, and maybe that doesn't sit with him very well. Good point. Good point. Well, should be interesting to watch. Uh, I will say this, even though he's in our minds kind of an NFL guy, is you know Gruden's quarterback camp. Uh, I've, uh, it's a show I've always enjoyed as he interviews the top quarterbacks during the off season, and you know, so he is absolutely in tune with certainly the quarterbacks in the college game, to put it mildly. So I think he would, he, you know. I think I think that's relevant, and I think he would do well. So I mean, he's not—he's by no means out of touch, shall we say? 
with the no, college game. Yeah, John Gruden. Yeah, he watches those players and he has those interviews and that show uh, yeah. annually. So he and that's one thing, John. He's 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 right in the middle of uh, knowing about quarterbacks. That's the number one position in the game of football today. Bingo. Exactly. You said it better than I could. So perfectly, perfectly stated. Uh, well, AP. Uh, here we are again at our last break for the day, so why don't we do that? And we'll get to a few more things on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, of course, the Alabama-Auburn game this Saturday at 3.30 Game of the year, as it often is. So, AP, I know I kind of alluded to this early, uh, you know, when we first uh, got going at the beginning of the second segment, but do you sense the excitement uh, for this Alabama-Auburn game is the equal or surpassing previous recent Alabama-Auburn games where number one was on the line? I think so, John, because the Alabama people, although – they're undefeated. They're really concerned with going to Auburn because they're playing so well. And you know, they defeated Georgia. They just stomped them in the ground with a big score. And Auburn, John, if you've ever been there, when they get the momentum in that stadium, they're very difficult to beat. And then another thing, John, of this particular rivalry, it is so uh, you know bitter 
that the fans are they're yelling twice as loud. It feels like so the noise is a factor over there. And then also coming into this game, John, something that might be a slight distraction. I don't believe it is for the players once you have that kickoff and you take that first blow. But Gus Malzahn, there's been, I think, some flirtations with Arkansas, I believe, behind the scenes. Yeah, I've been hearing that. Is he not? Was he not like an Arkansas high school football coach at one time? Correct. He was. He's from the state of Arkansas. He coached okay. on their staff at Houston, not when they had that hot shot quarterback that was number one in the country, and he ended up starting, and I think after about eight, either eight and oh at one time, I think it one in the season, and he ended up transferring. His mother went into the coast. I think Houston nutt. He went out to USC, never heard from again. Well, I remember that, yes. Amazing how that stuff happens. Um, well, you know, it's uh, it's going to be great, AP. I mean, I know by the end of the game, if I'm not mistaken, I remember a couple of years ago for the kick six game, you were literally on the sidelines by the last two minutes of the game, which is uh, not unusual for media members to be allowed onto the field for the last couple of minutes of, of any given game. Uh, do you expect that to be happening again? Is that the norm at Auburn Stadium? It is, with probably six minutes left on the clock. We're allowed on the sideline. And funny enough, John, not only was I on the sideline and I filmed it on my telephone, my cell phone, but I showed it to Chris Davis about a month and a half later at the Walter camp. He had, he had never seen it from that particular angle. And I also informed him that the person who blocked, who, who ran it for the couple of touchdowns in 1972 in the block um, in the punt-bama punt game with David Langdo, was that from the same high school woodlawn in Birmingham, and so was Bobby Bowden. And he did not know. So that what are the odds of the two most famous Auburn wins or among them that a player who caused the most distress and pain for Alabama would be from Woodlawn High School, the same high school? That's amazing. Wow. And uh, Chris Davis is the person who actually made the kick return, right? Correct. Yes. Uh that is still, uh, you know, amazing to me that you were like literally had such a view for easily one of the top college plays in the history of college football. Uh, well, AP, you know, we talked again a little bit early on about the polls and, uh, you know, we were talking about Ohio State, who likely they play Michigan this Saturday. Uh, always, uh, always a game. You talk about games we grew up on. That's a biggie. And, uh, you know, so you have Ohio State and Georgia, two formidable teams, but yet their biggest problem and the, for potentially making the playoffs, Final Four, in my mind, is they were absolutely blown out by Iowa, Ohio State, and Georgia, as the number one team in the country, was blown out by Auburn. And, in my mind, AP, when you're blown out to that degree, that should be a gigantic uh, black mark on the resume for making the college football playoff. In effect, I, I, I almost believe that alone should eliminate them. If you're capable of like losing a game in such a such a fashion as uh, as that. Yeah, I think that's a serious flaw in someone's resume, John. To have a loss by thirty, about thirty points, whatever the numbers were exactly, and or the other team scoring fifty. 
Yeah, yeah, right. Team uh, 55, Ohio State defensively. I mean, it, it right. doesn't show me very much. You, you know, Georgia gave up 40 to Auburn. But so I think if, when you look at those top six, Auburn, Wisconsin, Clemson, Oklahoma, Miami, Alabama, I think if the wins are tight and the losses close, which go hand in hand, that you're going to pick the four from those six teams. Auburn, uh, Wisconsin really probably must win, I would guess. Clemson, Oklahoma, Miami, and Alabama, and then Oklahoma must win as well. Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, it's getting to be uh, fascinating. I mean, I think it's setting up for terrific conference championship games, to say the least. I mean, it's hard to believe that it wasn't all that long ago that they weren't even that. You know, that wasn't even the norm. These conference championship games, and now all of a sudden, not only have they become, uh, you know spectacular to watch but they're just you know they're obviously the key to everything so i think it's been a good addition to college football in recent years to have these because now i look at these matchups and they just look fantastic yes john with one exception in my mind is the big 12 yep to me they have the 10 teams they have nine games they play each other home or away oklahoma sitting with that one loss via Iowa State at home. Yep. They could they could run the table and and not have to participate in the championship game in my mind because they've had the nine games you're playing everybody in the league. They would be sitting pretty. But they acquiesced, they caved in to the perception that because you don't have a championship game where TCU and Baylor were not invited to the dance, we're going to have a championship game. Now here they are sitting with Oklahoma and if they they get beat in that championship game, uh, there's not a team that, that will participate in the college football playoff from the Big 12. So I think that's a mistake on their part because the committee is supposed to look at your entire resume. And if I'm right. playing in the Big 12, those are reputable teams. And if I have a non-conference game at the beginning of the year against a, another Power 5 team at, you know, at the top top of the league of that particular league, uh, that would suffice, in my mind, for having a, an excellent resume. I mean, you shouldn't get credit for a 13th game. I, I don't believe. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, it's going to be uh, fascinating to watch, um, to say the least. It's a bonus week uh, from what we had years ago. And Hey, AP, just as we close here, we're under a minute. I was thinking of you when I saw the demolition of the Georgia Dome. I know you've been there many, many, many times. Uh, what were your thoughts? A little bit of sadness, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that old of a facility, so right. But they built the Mercedes-Benz Stadium next door, and life goes on. But in this this world where everybody's strapped for money, Atlanta's able to build another stadium after 15 or 20 years, and uh, it's kind of amazing to me. Me too. My thoughts exactly. I was shocked. When they got that stadium and the new one, and when the Braves also got a new one, since you know their stadium didn't seem that old either, so it's 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 crazy. It must be good to be in Atlanta, I guess. Somehow they're able to put it together. Uh, wouldn't happen here in Boston, trust me. <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But Boston or New York in the city, yeah. they, they can't get it done. Uh, no, 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 Northeast city for that matter. Uh, well, AP. Thank you for calling in. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, and 
what a great Thanksgiving weekend uh, it's going to be watching, being there live for Alabama-Auburn. I'll be thinking of you. Hey, John, thank you very much as always, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and the entire listening audience, and I've really enjoyed today's uh, segment. Me too, AP. Great to have you on, as always. And uh, as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.